This is Pastor Stuart Schneider welcoming you to a service of worship at Community Presbyterian Church in Belfont, Kentucky. Come, let us worship the Lord together. A little change in plans when I was preparing the sermon. I rather thought Second Peter would work into it. But as the week came to an end and Linda had already printed, I realized it was not going to happen. So our first reading is from Exodus 34, 29 through 35. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face, But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining. And Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Hear the word of the Lord in this reading from his holy scripture. Our second reading is from Luke, ninth chapter, 26, uh, 28 rather, through 36. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Hear the word of the Lord in this reading. Kathy and I were watching the tag end of an antiques roadshow this week. The expert was looking over some bit of old rag or tag and announced to the owner that it was actually an original whatever it was and valued it at $25,000. Well, the owner did just what you would expect. She took a step back in surprise and said, Oh my God! Except it sounded all like one word, Oh my God! An expression of surprise and happiness 
Nothing more. Certainly nothing to do with God the unnameable, God the creator. Later, we were watching a comedy, and one character was explaining what a stupid thing another character had done, and she rolled her eyes heavenward and said, Oh, my God. Again, just one word. This time an expression of exasperation for comedic effect. We need to talk about Omegod. When we use Omegod as a expression of surprise or delight, we're breaking one of the big ten. Thou shalt not call upon the Lord in vain. We need to talk about the seriousness of aspiring to a relationship with God the Creator. Now, when I raise this question with people, I very often hear back, what's the big deal? It's just something people say. We can overlook that, can't we? Well, no, we can't. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. God is not a person or a thing. God is the very expression of existence, the foundation stone of everything that without which there can be nothing. God is simply the word we poor mortals use to refer to the unnameable, the incomparable, the creator, the great I am. When we use the word carelessly, we devalue our relationship with God by equating God the unnameable with a sound that comes out of our mouths. Jews are so aware of the holiness of the one who created all that they don't permit themselves to speak the name, substituting Adonai, a Hebrew word meaning the Lord, or Hashem, which means quite literally the name. In prayer, the Jews keep themselves focused on the awesome responsibility of tending to the proper relationship with the great I Am by praying Shema Yisrael, Adonai, Elohanu, Adonai, Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. A name is something we mortals use to distinguish between people or things of like nature. There is none like God. How can we be so careless about our responsibility to the unnameable that we can allow ourselves to use the name as a trivial expression, something people say. How in the world did we persuade ourselves that we are on such familiar terms with him who spoke the world into existence? Familiarity breeds contempt. The more familiar an idea or a person is, the less miraculous it seems. Each of you brushed your teeth this morning, or I hope you did. You began by turning on the water. From the tap flowed as much pure, safe water as your heart could desire. 
Did you ever celebrate that miracle? Do you even think about that miracle? Did you ever pause to consider what a wonder it is that by going, you get as much pure, safe water as you could wish? Well, of course you didn't. It's too familiar. Do you give thanks that it will not contain, that you won't contract dysentery by drinking of it? Of course not. That is the contempt that familiarity breeds. If we allow God the incomparable to become as familiar as a water tap, it would be no surprise that we might make the invocation of God into nothing but an expression of surprise or pleasure, disconnected with God the unnameable, God the creator. I suspect that something like that happened to Peter, John, and James. Jesus was their teacher, certainly, but he was also their best bud. They traveled together. They ate together. They told jokes together. They saw him every day. How could they help but feel comfortable and familiar in his presence? And how could that familiarity and comfort help but disguise his true nature. It was that familiarity Jesus had to counter if Peter, James, and John were to be equipped to carry on his message after his death. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray, and while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Remember, Jesus was speaking to uneducated Jewish fishermen. So he spoke in references that were a part of their very DNA. Jesus' appearance was like that of Moses. And like Moses, Jesus was bringing a new thing into the lives of those about him. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining and they were very afraid to come near him. Moses brought the rules of righteousness, Torah. Jesus brought the good news of the new age. This cannot be overstated. God the creator, God the judge, God the unnameable brought the law to his people through Moses. Now a new age has begun. The great I am will begin the new age by the sacrifice of his son, a man in every way, but God in every way. In Jesus, God showed humanity what the coming age will be like, an age ruled by God. And our world ruled by sin, received that good news by crucifying their Savior. How comfortable are you with killing someone? How comfortable with killing someone in a deliberately agonizing way, making death wait as long as possible while agony reigns? Is the story of the crucifixion so familiar that we no longer remember the horror of its reality? Is it possible that when reading about it, we mutter, oh my God, and go on with business? Have we allowed ourselves to become contemptible of God by the familiarity we have imposed upon him? 
Oh, my God, I hope not. I pray not, and I mean that quite seriously. Oh, my God, guard my heart lest I forget my place. Guard my words lest I forget of that which I am unable to know. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see, it is not enough to believe in God. We must believe God. We need to discipline ourselves to believe God as he has revealed himself to us in his holy scriptures. Moses, when he approached the burning bush, took off his shoes. How do we approach the door of this church? We, his disciples, cannot carry forward the gospel into a world ruled by disinterest and pride unless we set aside our own disinterest and pride and approach the great work to which we are called with humility. And we can't do that by disparaging our soul's cry, Oh my God! There we have it. Naming yourself a disciple of Jesus means something outrageous. It means sacrificing your own comfortable decisions about right and wrong to the teachings of Scripture. That is our challenge. If we are to be faithful to our calling, to bring the light of Christ to a world in turmoil, we must not allow Hashem to become nothing more than an expression of surprise, and we cannot permit ourselves to think we live on such familiar terms with God that we can take liberties with God's love for us. We cannot forget that the ground we stand upon is holy ground. You must be ever aware of it. Amen. Please join with me as we affirm our faith from the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
from this place, go with God, know the path that you follow in his name, his holy ground, God's people said. <laughs> 